Welcome back to the Trusted Visions weekly podcast. We are going to wrap this month's topic up of really breaking down the individual channels or the broker-dealer channels being Wirehouse. We, we spoke first week about the Wirehouse channel, then the Financial Institutions channel. Last week, we spoke about the Independent channel. And this week, it's probably one of the funnest and most talked about channels being the RIA channel. And I know there's a lot of different opinions about the RIA channel, but we're gonna we're gonna continue down the path and, and break it down just as we have in previous weeks. Starting with David, first welcome team. Um, but starting with David of talking about the advantages of being part of the RIA channel for an advisor, an OSJ or enterprise. So, David, let's let's kick it off with you, my friend. All right. I appreciate it. Good to see everybody again this week. Yeah. When you look at the advantages, first and foremost, when you're looking at the RA only, RA only channel, uh, the biggest the biggest part that everybody likes is you don't have to be connected to a broker dealer. Uh, a lot of individuals that have been with a broker dealer for a number of years on the independent side, wirehouse side have realized, hey, they can step away, not have to fall under the FINRA umbrella, not have to work directly with a, a broker dealer. And by far, that's probably one of the biggest advantages a lot of advisors see out there. But the the other big part is recurring revenue. We're looking at recurring income when it comes to building a practice. Whether you're an independent advisor with a broker dealer, wirehouse, what have you, recurring income is key. You know, not having to go out and resell all the time and really work on the recurring income side of the world. And that's exactly what the RA only uh, world consists of is simply uh, recurring income on that side. And of course, control. Again, it being, an in, it being an RIA only, you have control over how you want to run your practice, how you want to continue to move forward inside of that, whether you're just building financial plans and everything with your individual clients in your book. Uh, it also gives the availability to build portfolios, a lot of different opportunities out there. It gives you complete control and the flexibility to really create your own models and also create your own practice. Right. How you want to fundamentally work with your clients, flexibility control is by far one of the biggest advantages that people see out there when it comes to the RA side of it. And of course, uh, the, the big one, ownership. Ownership of your clients, ownership of your book, ownership of the recurring revenue that's out there. It gives you a really innate uh, value if it ever comes down to the point where you want to sell your practice. So when you look at the, the ownership and uh, the, the book that goes along with that, it's, it's just a huge benefit uh, in our world to be able to get a valuation pretty quickly on something that's simply uh, based on recurring income and your clients that go along with it. So the, that's kind of the high, the high levels, the real big advantages of being RA only. And so, David, great input there. One question I would have for you from an advantage standpoint and would love, I'm sure our viewers would love to hear your opinion. Would it be a fair statement to say another advantage would be you really get out from under the, the spotlight of FINRA and there's less regulatory influence because you are regulated by the state or the SEC, but you don't have FINRA regulating you on, on your practice. Is that a fair statement in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. Uh, being the, the one of the biggest parts is people don't want to be affiliated with a broker dealer and you don't fall under the FINRA umbrella. So that's one of the the huge advantages of going that side of the world. They just, they've been tired of the regulation, the oversight and things that go along with it. Not saying that you won't have oversight with the states and the SEC, but that's uh, kind of on the disadvantages side of it. But uh, when you look at it, 
there's always somebody uh, that's regulating out there, but you will not fall under the the Fender umbrella of being RA only. Yeah, and I, I I really look at this RIA model similar to firms like ours, where each one of us has spent decades in in the corporate shoes of recruiters with these various broker dealers and these various channels, and you know having gone through mergers and acquisitions of being acquired and what's it look like or your, your compensation is being changed this year because you were too successful last year or management changes or, or whatever it may be. It's, it's a very similar channel to, to where we're at today uh, amongst the four of us. Right. So Absolutely. Sean, let, let, let's kick it off to you on the disadvantages of the RIA channel. Sure, sure. As you guys mentioned, the RIA business model has become a very attractive you know, model or option for financial advisors. You know, I hear it often during my uh, prospecting calls. I hear it all the time. You know, Sean, I'm just going to drop my Series 7. I'm going RIA only. And while that sounds good, it's always, as the old saying goes, it's easier said than done. And with that, establishing the RIA is not an easy process altogether. And it doesn't always uh, lead to the advisor you know, being happy, or it may not be the best option, most importantly, for your clients. Um, one of the huge, you know, uh, disadvantages of establishing the RIA is, is cost. Um, on the onset, you're going to need legal expenses to establish your entity. Um, as David alluded to, you have to keep the SEC happy by being compliant. Uh, that means you really need to consider hiring someone, um, even if it's part-time, that has the expertise to keep the SEC happy. Uh, You know, something that's not often discussed is vendor selection, which is not only costly, it is time consuming as well. I mean, we're talking about, you know, administering due diligence on custodians. Uh, You have to find a a CRM system, uh, financial planning software, uh, performance reporting, uh, client portal, uh, uh, risk analysis software, fee billing programs, and, and the list can continue. And while there are many companies at this juncture that will provide integrated solutions, the tech stack alone, and this is where many advisors who are looking and serious about an RIA, they kind of take a step back because that tech stack can cost up to 40 to 50,000. And if you don't have, you know, your 100 million, in my opinion, assets under management or more, um, that can really add up, impact your revenue. It makes it make you question if it's even worthwhile to partake in. Now, obviously, your day-to-day operations, uh, cost of running an office, rent, light, staff, et cetera. Another big ticket item in my book, this is just, you know, in my opinion, that is never discussed, is the potential loss of revenue. And I want to preface it by saying I'm not referring to the loss of revenue in terms of transitioning a book, because that's the risk you take transitioning to any business model. I'm speaking in reference to the limited product selection. When you go RIA, you are a fee-based advisor, period. That's it. That, that, that is your offering. So if you have a client, for example, that walks into your office with $500,000 and you administer your risk analysis and it is determined that a variable annuity may be the right fit. Now, if you are if you are holding yourself up to best interest, which you should as an advisor, you're going to refer that business to your colleague that's still partnering with a broker dealer or financial services firm. 
um, because it's not a, you know, all side, everything fits all with the RIA space. You know, everyone's not an advisory client and you forego that when you go RIA only. So those are some of the, the, the big ticket items, you know, in my opinion, that will cause an advisor to kind of take a step back and really thoroughly think about if the RIA space is for them or not. And great points there, Sean. A couple clarifying questions for you is, and I'd love your opinion about this, is from a recruiting standpoint. So if you're an advisor in OSJ or enterprise and go RAA only, is it more difficult for those OSJs or enterprises to continue to have success recruiting because now they're trusted visions RIA versus being with one of those large backed broker dealers that, that have some name recognition. In your opinion, is that is it going to make it more difficult to successfully recruit if you're not a large enough RIA that has 500 million in assets or a billion in assets? I believe so. I believe so. And I'm just going to speak from experience because I, I've had an opportunity to work in the RIA space and there are more advisors that still need um, that independent broker-dealer relationship, then there are that's not. Um, when you start really digging deep and you start, you know, um, you know, administering your due diligence as a recruiter on these advisors and, and, and you're looking at the financials, et cetera, uh, I would say more oftentimes than not, the RIA space is just not a fit. So for an RIA to be successful in recruiting, you're going to need some type of uh, provision for a breakaway advisor. Um, whether it is office space, uh, whether it is, in some cases, uh, household accounts uh, to make that uh, transition a little more feasible for a, a breakaway advisor from whether it's a wirehouse or, or an independent broker dealer. Yep. And then the second clarifying question is, you would make mention of $100 million or more in assets for this to really make sense. For, for some of those smaller RAs or advisors that are looking to go RIA only where they have 10, 20, 30 million. Is it, is it a fair statement to say they're going to be more limited on their custodian choices? Because most of those custodians, correct me if I'm wrong, have thresholds of you have to have at least 50 million for us to even, you know, be used as a custodian. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are limitations with uh, custodian options when you start talking about the fidelities and Schwabs of the world. And I don't know what the exact number is, so I don't want to quote that, but I know it is, you know, 10 million, 20 million assets under management is just not going to get it done and with the pricing that you want, you know, at that level. Now, if you're 100 million or higher, there are typically some price breaks, some concessions that are offered by some of the larger uh, custodians than um, if, if you are a small producer. Makes sense. Appreciate that, Sean. Now, Deb, let's flip it over to you, just like we have in previous weeks of... <clears throat> Who, in your opinion, is a good fit for this channel, being the RIA channel? So I love what David and you know Sean both said, and I could really honestly kind of take a little bit out of what they they all talked about and say who's a good fit for you know the independent RIA. Um, simply put, I would agree with what Sean said. Um, I, I really think that from an economic standpoint, right, and for scale. And for things to make sense um, from a cost perspective, um, an advisor should have a minimum of about 100 million. And I think that's kind of an industry standard that you'll see out there that kind of that's the bar, 
right? Really where things can start to make sense and where you can say to an advisor, you can be profitable, right? I mean, if you're at a hundred million in assets under management, you're charging 1% fee, it's a million dollars in revenue, right? That's a nice, a nice number to start with where, you know, you can be profitable once you're taking into consideration the different things that Sean talked about, right? From the technology platform and that there are costs, there are big ticket costs in putting together and going out on your own as an independent RIA from a compliance perspective, the platforms, the technology, et cetera. So again, that's kind of that threshold where I think as an industry, we all agree that probably is at about a hundred million. The other thing is, yes, an advisor that really has geared their practice, moved their practice, if you will, to basically all fee-based away from the commission model right? The commission-based where, you know, I started in the industry away from those types of products, basically all, um, you know, fee-based. Then you're ready to say, okay, I can, I can sustain my business and continue to grow it because I'm really already in this model, right? All all assets under management, fee-based, wrap accounts, whatever it is, whether you're managing it or you're choosing a third-party money manager. Um, So once you get to that point, and you've got the hundred million in assets under management. Then it's you know, and if you're not already with an independent firm and you're with a wirehouse firm, it can mean a couple things. That either going independent, right, and being that breakaway, um, or moving to more independence, right. If you're in a hybrid or or with a, an independent broker dealer, really gaining a lot like what then David talked about. Draw all those positives, right? About who, when is it time? Who's ready for it? Hey, it's that person that is, man, I want control over my destiny, my future, the economics. I want control over my business, my succession plan, my legacy, all of those things that make an advisor feel really good. Um, and they really have that entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit. Then that is who is going to be, um, you know, a good fit for that independent, you know, RIA. Perfect. <clears throat> and so with that, some, some other things to consider, and, and a lot of broker dealers have done, independent broker dealers have done a great job of trying to tap into this marketplace of the RIAs, where they built out several platforms for RIA only reps. So we, we worked with several clients where <clears throat> they made a broker dealer changed it to one broker dealer, and some of the reps like Sean had said, did drop their seven and went RIA only, but they still have all of the resources, programs, software, technology of that broker dealer. And so if you're considering going down the RIA only route, I would strongly suggest that you also look at that RIA only route with the backing of a large broker dealer. Right. The other things that, that I think it's it's important to consider is, is the SEC, there's been a, if you look at a lot of the claims of Ponzi schemes and, and regulatory events, a good majority of those have come from the SEC. And the SEC has come under great scrutiny by Congress over the last two, three years for their lack of regulation, so to speak. Um, and I'm not saying they, they don't have good regulations by any means. Don't want to get in trouble with the SEC. <laughs> um, but they, because of the lack of regulations, they've been under scrutiny. And so some things to consider if you're looking at going down this route and into this channel is 
we are unsure of what changes from a regulatory standpoint, the states or the SEC are going to do to be able to monitor those Ponzi scheme acts. Um, we all know we've been in this industry long enough that it only takes one bad apple to spoil the whole bunch. And that's why we see all these regulations going down. Um, but that that's something to consider. I also would strongly suggest if you're looking at going down the RIA channel to work with firms like Trusted Visions that have experience in the industry that can help you navigate and consult with you about the right and wrong way to go about it. Because to Sean's point, there's a lot of things that you don't know until you know them from a regulatory standpoint and a custodian standpoint and a technology standpoint that you really have to make sure because now you don't have the backing of those broker dealers that are gonna back you from a legality standpoint should you get in harm's way. That all falls on you. And so I think it's really important to work with a consulting firm like Trusted Visions to to talk through why are you even interested in the RIA channel? Is it strictly from a regulatory standpoint and you want to get away from the broker dealer? Do you want to get away from FINRA or the regulators? And if so, there may be some other avenues there. So with that, anybody have anything to add that that we missed? I, I think, like I said, at the beginning of this one, this is one of those channels that it's very attractive to many, and it's probably one of the most talked about. So it's definitely fun to talk about. But anything that anybody wants to add that we missed? I think you summarized it really well, Jeremy. It's it's one of those things, and we talk about this a lot, it's never all or nothing in our world. Uh, if you if you want to really go down that path, it's working with somebody that can hi- kind of help you get there. And uh, it's not an overnight process. It's not something, hey, today I decided I want to be RI only. There's a lot of processes and hurdles that you have to overcome and understanding what those are is the the, the biggest part of it. And like you said, being able to go down that path and working with an independent broker dealer that's going to help you kind of get to that goal or work with a a team at Trusted Visions will kind of help you kind of understand the obstacles so you can prepare yourself if that's a direction you want to go. There's our challenges that go along with it, but there there is a huge light at the end of the rainbow. We just want to make sure it's not a train. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So again, we're going to wrap up this month's topic of breaking down the channels. We're really excited about next month's topic from the feedback of the, of the viewers. Um, so stay tuned for that. We will start that one next week. If you have any questions or want to talk through any of the channels that we've talked about or are considering any of the channels, please don't hesitate to, to comment on our LinkedIn page or email us at info at trustedvisions.com. Again, hope everybody has a great week. Thanks, team, for for all that you do. Looking forward to next week's.